Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan. The PH is silent. And I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday morning. Yeah, and this is going to be um, a fun one. But, uh, well, I say that and I didn't play D&D for an entire week. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, but <laughs> an update from me. Um, I wasn't here last week because a family member um, was sick in the hospital and me and my wife had to drive down and basically stay with her for a little bit. Uh, my wife is still down there. So any like thoughts or prayers or any happy feelings you want to send my way is good. Um, our family member is doing better, but is not um, out of the woods yet. So they're going to be in the hospital for probably another three days, maybe a week. Um, we'll see. But uh yeah, and that's about all I really wanted to say about that. So no need to super worry or anything, but any any uh, happy thoughts are always encouraging. So thank you guys. And thanks for all the like tweets and messages that you guys kind of sent out. Um, it was really nice of you guys to be supportive like that. But onwards to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we've got some people in the chat. This is really awesome. So thank you guys so much for coming out in the morning and hanging out with us. Uh I can talk about my games a couple weeks ago, but do, is there any D&D news we need to cover, Lucian? Or? Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, last night as I was getting the show notes going. And it's funny because you, you're having what I had last week. Like, I didn't play any D&D the week before that. So I had to come into the morning show right. and say, oh, I didn't play anything, but, you know, what was going on? So I, it, I'll be curious to see how yours went, too. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about news. I was like, what's going on? So I looked up Mordekainen's tome. Because I thought, man, shouldn't that be out yet? Shouldn't I be going down to the game store to collect that? And it looks like it's next month. We've got a full month yeah. yet before Mordekane's Tome comes out. Um, they, uh, Mike Merles has been doing his happy hour. He did a, uh, a Barbarian Marauder two-weapon fighter, which really was on point for me because I'm playing a two-weapon build Barbarian in my Tuesday night game. So that was interesting to listen to him and, and how he was doing that. But they haven't really come out with too much. There was um, a Unearthed see... Arcana that came out, um, which yeah. was based off of one of his Happy Fun Hour um, character creation yep. things. One Not characters, classes. but uh, classes, yeah. Yeah, he's so. doing subclasses, which is fun. Yep, so there's some testing for that. But it hasn't been a lot coming from them. Yeah. Like, it hasn't been a lot of stuff. I think they've done their full push to get the book ready to go, and then yeah, now they're probably. just doing regular stuff. Um and I thought the one other thing that uh, was interesting that I saw, there's a game that's Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms that you mm -hmm. can get up on Steam, and they've been doing that. Last week, you could have picked up Strix as a character, and this yeah. week, they have a gift that you can pick up. And the storyline of that game for this quest is a astral barge lands near Tribor. And that immediately made me jump to think about your idea about you've been wanting to kind of get your yeah. group to spell jam coming up. And I just thought, oh, you know, there was a very on point. And with Mordekainen's tome coming out, I think you're going to have plenty of monsters and plenty of creatures to be able to run now, kind of that, that if you want to take it. Yeah, that book is coming out. Mordekainen's Tome of Foes is coming out exactly when I need it because my players are reaching, like, 10th level soon. Um, and I'm going to need some like higher tier monsters. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're going to have a bunch of like higher tier monsters in here. And, um, and like with the Gith and, and other, the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zerai, uh, mind flares and all this, I don't know that it's going to be great. Like, it's going to be exactly what I need at the right time. 
So thank you, Wizards of the Coast, for for being so on on point with my games. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep keep watching our show and keep bringing us books we need when we need them. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So there was no really no news. I thought so. I think it was just you know we were just going to jump into what we did in D and D and then just whatever discussion takes us wherever we go. Yeah. So what did you do in D and D this week? You did, you had nothing last week, which great. Jo- by the way, thank you for running the show by yourself. And I did watch it uh, on my phone and you, you did a great job. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I just to be able to talk. Um, I always like the back and forth better because we can come up with mm-hmm. good points of views and, and good stuff but i knew we definitely have an audience that wants to come out and they and really chat made it good i think because they asked a lot of good questions and um kept us going so it was pretty good no i me doing this by myself i'm like i'm not interesting by myself i need people to talk (laughs) to (laughs) i've tried live streaming if anybody's gone to my twitch channel it's not it's just me staring at the monitor being like so what do i say how do i be funny yeah. You guys are great. I need a better funny hat collection if I'm going to try, try <laughs> yeah. that too much. That. <laughs> so I've got to play uh, Dungeons & Dragons Adventure League online with Anarsis, right. PB, and Nomadic. Those those guys are super good. Um, it's fun to play with them. It's always fun to be in a group that you really like and enjoy. The characters are fun. Um, we had a lot of combat in the jungle, a lot of random roll stuff because he's kind of following the way the module goes. Um, so not necessarily connected in any way, but we're mm-hmm. getting a lot of XP because we're just burning through lots of, um, encounters, which is nice. Um, we did have an NPC die on us. So this next Tuesday night game, we're going to, I think it's going to be a little more somber tone as we have to deal with one of our NPCs that gave us a quest has died in the jungle with us. So now I have no idea what the, what's going to happen with that. Goodness. Um, so that was terrible, but it's still fun to play. I'm liking the barbarian two, it's a two weapon build. Um, it's coming into its own. It's doing great damage. It's, it's a little min max because I went, you know, variant human to get the feet off the beginning. And cause I wanted to see if I could build a really high powered two weapon wielder. So two long swords and okay. extra damage and rage damage is on top of that. And, um, that whole whole bit so it's been fun so you took two weapon fighting as your feet yeah yeah Yeah. two weapons because i wanted to be able to use martial weapons instead of just a light finesse weapon in my offhand so i could get the damage die roll up Mm -hmm. and then i also went um path of the zealot which gives me another 1d6 plus half my level on the first melee attack i hit so it's a it's a long sword big hit rage damage path of the zealot hit die roll roll my second attack off my offhand and you know so i'm doing 20 30 points of damage on a third level character just just really getting going nice um so it's pretty fun i think it's going to ramp up as i go so it's definitely yeah. been a fun and i like the visual i like the visual of the guy with the two swords or the sword and the axe and he's whirling around mm-hmm. so when i describe it in combat it's like i'm sliding across the ground and hitting people in the back or i'm i'm vaulting over i'm trying to make them very fluid and very fast moving and and mm-hmm. hitting things all over just as a in my mind in my own mind space so it's been pretty fun um so that's a good character adventure league wise um you know it's still fun it still plays like everything else so far i don't feel like i'm having the same adventure league experience you're having oh yeah not going at all. to the game you're probably having a better one <laughs> <laughs> maybe well it feels like a normal game yeah. Um, it does because I'm not jumping from group to group and right. from D, DM to DM. 
Um, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. I don't say that there's one way that's better or the other, but I think it's a very different experience. So if you've been thinking, oh, I don't want to change DMs all the time, so I'm never going to play Adventure League, that's not the only way you can play Adventure yeah. League. You can play Adventure League with the same DM, the same party, all the way through. Um, there's lots of ways to do and that. And I think there's... that's what Wizards of the Coast wants to happen. Um, it's just schedules and stuff. Like I know there there are two DMs that are really good at showing up for Adventure League. Unfortunately, their groups are already full. And so when I show up, it's it's been like, well, we've already been playing for you know five or six months with this guy and these these people. And so I show up and they're just like, oh, here's another random DM, but he's not going to be there next week, but he'll be there in three weeks. And so I've been bouncing around from table to table and my entire group has, there's been like three or four of us that were just kind of like, oh, where do we go? What do we do? So, yeah, I was curious I how Anaris hands out experience points though. It, does he add up the monsters you kill or do you get experience from also completing quests? Well, know? we haven't completed any quests yet, okay. so I don't know about that. It has been monsters we engage. So yes. if one or two run off, we still get that. Okay. Um, treasure is handed out doing the Adventure League rules. Mm -hmm. So it's very specific how the treasure is. You don't you don't even have to worry about searching bodies typically. It just I think it just they just give you a set amount depending on CR they are mm -hmm. um, and then I think he only gives us the XP when we've done our I want to say it's a long rest yeah. so if you do a long rest somewhere then that that can actually come out and we'll I'm getting pretty close to fourth level already because of that session okay we burned through a lot of high level stuff and uh, in one session we went from three to maybe like 3.8 <laughs> for me and I'm doing meat grinder so oh, I don't know so if you, you were doing that for experience. your kid yeah I'm doing the extra 10% for money and XP um, but I have to roll a high 15 or higher on death saves if it happens. So yeah. I'm going for broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh, they, yeah, live, they brought up that when I started my character, but because we weren't playing the official Chult, um, tomb of annihilation campaign, he was like, ah, I don't really want to let you do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Cause I was like, I'll totally take an extra 10% experience points. That sounds Every great. Every time. <laughs> yeah. I'll make a new character. I don't care. <laughs> Although I'm getting yeah. really attached to my bard and I don't want him to die. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and here's the other cool thing about Adventure League. Um, you can make a change up until fifth level on yeah. anything except your name. So, like, even if I, because I, I thought about maybe I'll go back and change my feet and, and rework this build to do it a different way. Because then I could do, like, Path of um, the Storm Herald, and I could go kind of a different direction. <clears throat> and I thought about it, which is cool. You don't get that in the campaign you play with mm -hmm. me. Like, you know, you're, you're the, you're, you're, your cleric is your cleric. And, and when you're playing it in my game, it's just like, it doesn't, I'm suddenly a bard or I'm suddenly, I, yeah. you know, I want to play a sorcerer today. Uh, so adventure league is really good. If you want to try some things out, get a feel for them, but change them around a little bit mm -hmm. before you're set at fifth level and say, okay, I finally kind of know where, yeah. where I want this character to go. And, and move I've on. already so been doing that, cool. but you not, just with my spells, like, I'll try out a couple spells and I'm like, you know what? This isn't working how I thought it was. So I'm going to go home and I just like change it up um, yeah, because I'm only level cool. three. So I can still do that, which is really nice. Yeah. So pretty cool. So I'm, I'm still in on it. I like the idea of Adventure League. I think it feels like they're about to make big changes to it. It feels like this is the next big thing they want to tackle. And because they designed it five years ago, it's still running the same way they Adventure thought League as it a would whole? run. <clears throat> or just yeah. the adventure you're playing. 
I think the Adventure League it, itself. I think they okay. want to start putting in some different ways to do it, or, or like re relook at it from. They, yeah. Because I Mike Merle said, you know, we have five years under our belt now of the system. We can go back and really have a, a better understanding of what we were thinking about when we just put it out there. and We didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, um, and because they also put out a survey about um, answering questions about what do you like, what would you like to see, what's missing type thing. And that just gave me this feeling that they're really taking a look at their living campaign because really that's what it is, right? It's the idea of the living campaign. Yeah. It's what are the, the things you have to mark off? How do we let characters drop in and out? How is it easy to play at a convention? Mm -hmm. How can any DM do it? How can it be structured that one character can move from one to the other? And how do we keep track of all that? That's really what it's supposed to be. And make it a compelling living campaign story that people can dive into. Right. Um, so I think, you know, I hope they look at it and say, is this the only way to do it? Or is, can we improve this? Can we innovate on it and see another? Because live campaigns really cool. Um, Jim Murphy was talking about it in his videos that, you know, DMs working together collaboratively on a world can be very rewarding because you have so many more creative minds helping build and fill out a world. Yeah. And if they're working together, they can make a really in-depth thing. Um, but we don't see that as much at the moment because I think so many new people are getting in. They're playing standard run-of-the-mill adventure stuff, you know, so it's, but it's good. It's, you know, it's fun. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. So <clears throat> that was a lot on adventure. Um, it would be, <laughs> it would be interesting because I think when D&D started, when it was D&D Next, fifth edition started, sorry, um, they had that living world where the play test was changing the world and, and kind of, uh, they would get the results of all the play tests, like who defeated what and which factions were the most prominent. And then those factions were going to change and, and grow and stuff. And that's really cool to kind of involve the community like that. But yeah, it's kind of, um, I don't know. It ha that hasn't been the experience that I've had with adventure league at all. Um, yeah. cause I've just sat down and they're just like, well, let's run this or let's run this. And you're like, okay. So, yeah. And that doesn't seem to matter to the overall world. It, no. It's more like MMO games where, we all drop into the same village. We all do the same quest. The quest is yeah. always there, no matter what. You know, it's that weird static world that's pseudo living, but not. Um, yeah. But Numenera, because with their Numenera 2 coming out, the thing they're doing is they are building in rules that you take a village to a city in your living campaign. So they're, they're building in, not only are you campaigning your characters, but they're building in actual ways and rules and how to handle helping a village get to a city level, which is an interesting um, thing to tackle. And it, and it leads into the live campaign. It, it talks about the, the test campaign that they're doing right now have adventures that happen when it's a village, when it's a small town, and then now that it's a city and they have all the adventures there kind of up. And then you can, there's rules on how to get from one to the other to the other. You know, how does it build up? How do you get your blacksmith going? How do you get your, you know, how does it get to how many temples come in? You know, who who's funding those things? They're putting rules in to make that feel like you're in a world that's changing dynamically with the actions of your characters, heroes, and players. So there's I think that'd be cool to look at. There's a Numenera 2. Sorry, we need to back up for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah, of us they're... didn't know that, including myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's Super it is early? the strangest second because they're not calling it like second edition. It's right. not just Numenera second edition. Um, they're calling it Numenera two. 
It has almost all the same rules of Numenera 1 with some changes. It's compatible with any of the material from okay. Numenera 1. But they're adding some other stuff in. They've got it split into, I think it's called Destiny and something else. And one is about more character options. And one is more about building cities and building civilization out of the ninth world. Yeah. And all these rules that can go into that. Um, more expansions of the worlds, all this stuff. So it's definitely check it out. It's a, it was a little yeah. confusing when I looked at it, but they're they're ramping up. It's going to be at Gen Con too for sure, or okay. Gen Con coming up, and um, we'll see what it's going to look like. I'm jumping on board because I love Numenera. So yeah, well, well and I love I love systems that I can cannibalize to my D and D games. And if like this is like how you build a city or how you build a town or how that town grow, evolves into a city. Um, that sounds really cool to to steal for yeah. your own D and D games if you want to do that. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Numenera is fun too if you want to play Numenera. I'm playing Numenera, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. The two books are called Discovery and Destiny. That's okay, what it's called so it's Numenera Discovery, Numenera Destiny. It's considered Numenera Two, and um, I don't know. It looks pretty good. The yeah. artwork looks. You know, they make a fantastic product, anyways. It's Monty yeah. Cook and Cordell and all those guys. So it's pretty good. Uh, nice. Cool. Um, definitely want to talk a little bit about my super awesome, um, Crypts of Kelimvor. Ran that adventure yeah. that came out of Dragon Plus Magazine. Probably one of the funnest adventures I've run in, in, of all the stuff I've done. Um, came out with a great crew, had Greybeard, and we had uh, a friend here from town, um, uh, LB Hack'em Up, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> she got to play, and she had voices, and she was into it. She's a big Critter fan. That's how I even... Here's how I actually met. She, uh, she on her side, just because she likes to, she likes to groom dogs. Mm -hmm. So we found out, we're like, hey, come over and groom our, our shaggy dog. And, and she said something about um, she had to get home to watch Critical Role. And the minute I heard that, you know, my, I'm in the kitchen or whatever, my ears perk up. What? Critical Role? <laughs> you know, so then we have this conversation. And she's, then I find out she's a huge fan and she loves to role play. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I got to have you in a game let me set up a game that you can come play. So um, that linked with uh, Indoor Gamer, who's in chat right now, uh, Indoor Adventure. He was the subscriber from the uh, March subscriber that said, hey, I want to do a one shot. So he mm -hmm. subscribed to the Twitch channel. So we set it up. So he played, um, she played, and Greybeard played. They all had voices. They all had funny characters it was the dragonborn the UNT, and the kobold so they were kind of like the um the lizard team yeah <laughs> um they went through it and i thought it was a very fun adventure three sessions we had our final session they fought a um uh burning skull which i don't know if you've, if you've had your creature your characters fight that in your no. campaign those are super fun it's like the um it's like an undead that's been raised so it's like a mage uh, that's been raised from the dead and it's just a floating flaming skull right. that has spells and it has resistances and it, it can do some big damage and nice. it killed a couple of NPCs and it was really good battle for those guys. And uh, so, but they completed it and it was a nice fun uh, one shot. And what we'll probably do is that crew was so good that, you know, I'm probably going to put together another game where they're, they might be featured. In fact, for the month of April, Cyberwolf subscribed. I talked to him, and he's going to be playing in a one-shot with us. So Sweet. Cyberwolf from chat's going to get to play in a... Uh, I think we're going to do a D&D &D 5e one-shot. I might do something a little different. i got some other ideas I've been wanting to play around with, mm -hmm. but I'm going to organize that. 
and uh, get some players together. Um, that's why I was asking you about your Monday, because I thought, oh, I'll see if your Monday's over or not, because I was thinking to see if I'd schedule your Monday. Oh, yeah, no, that won't You're be still over until May, <laughs> yeah. I think, is yeah. when Numenera ends. But... So, tons of fun. They wrote a really good adventure. It's a cool tie-in to Never, uh, Neverwinter, the MMORPG online, mm-hmm. if you want to play that. Um, it's, it was cool. Um, the adventure was set out really good. It works well in a virtual tabletop with dynamic lighting. Cool dungeon delve, cool crypts, you know, a little bit of lore from the Kelimbors, which mm-hmm. was nice. Um, so I definitely recommend it. It was fun to play a really tight, concise adventure like that. It makes me want to go over to Drive Through RPG or DMs Guild and maybe find some more to just pluck out and say, oh, oh I like yeah. just this one. Let's just drop this in. Because I've been so much about making my own for the last year and, and I've had all these ideas. But there's something really cool about a really nice concise adventure to run that's not yeah. too too overly complicated i've got one i should send to you um that i'm gonna run in my home game that i bought from dm's guild and it's called scarab of death and it's a Ooh. it's a murder mystery they your players have to be detectives to solve this murder um and it's it just kind of fit really well with my current like deserty campaign um so when they when my players like reach a city I'm going to try and have this like murder had happened and they have to hire the adventurers to discover who murdered this guy. Um but it's high level and the 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 guy did a really good job where certain spells can kind of like solve a murder almost instantly such as like speak with dead um and a couple of others in I that's eluding me at the moment, but basically he made it in such a way that not even the person who died knows who killed him. And there's a bunch of other, uh, so your players really have to use like deductive reasoning and kind of like fed and say, Oh, yeah. it was Jimmy that yeah. killed me. Yeah, they can't, yeah, yeah. they can't nice. just magic their way through it, but they still can utilize these high level spells to try and get clues. Um, right. so it's really well, cool. Sounds fun. Like I'll, yeah, I'll have to send you the PDF or something or, or a link. It's, uh, it's, I like it a lot and I'm excited to run it whenever my players decide to go to town. So, yeah, I want to do a mystery adventure because I've been doing a lot of combat heavy, a lot of story driven mm-hmm. adventure stuff, but I haven't gotten into a good Scooby-Doo adventure. You know, yeah. I, I've been thinking about trying to build one, but that's a little tougher. You got to have that mind for the mind. For yeah. The I'm not, not terribly <laughs> good at that either, but where you can, yeah, you have to like, solve the riddle and then create it backwards <laughs> yeah. in order to leave like enough clues for your players and stuff. So, yeah. So that'd be pretty good. So that's definitely, um, Crips of Kelvin is now done, but was a fantastic show. It's mm-hmm. up on YouTube. You can go and watch it. And those guys had a great time. I had a great time with them. So it was super fun. Um, my borderlands game, my Thursday night game, my pre West marches is getting good because there's something about this game where everything you do is based off of tying their backstory into it. Like all I'm doing, because I only have one hour of prep, right? This is my game where I'm, I'm telling myself this game is going to be completely ran on one hour of prep before the session starts. So I don't have time to set up cool, elaborate um, modules like storylines that, that I then have to try to tie them into or, or entice them to go and find like everything I'm doing is just thinking about how their characters would react. And it's all character driven. It's like mm-hmm. interactions between the two characters or their deities um, using things that I know they're interested in. Like one's always looking for old books or one is doing all this stuff. So it's really easy to tie in like, uh, you know, so this, this adventure was um, in our last little temple run, our mage uh, found a journal 
of somebody who had escaped their village and had been overrun. This person has this whole journal of about how they've escaped. They've tried to hide and eventually they die in this dungeon and they don't finish the journal, but he's got it now and he's deciphering it as a mage using, you know, uh, read language spells and all this yeah. stuff. And so he came up with this cool idea that um, he, he does those kind of mind space things when his character is thinking about things. Cause he's hyper intelligent. He's like Dexter intelligent. He's like, you know, all those shows where you, if you watch CSI or you watch those things and they do the weird, you know, the weird camera zooms and the, the overlays, that's how his brain works. Mm-hmm. Or he does like the Sherlock Holmes thing where he goes into his mind space room and he's able to do all the things that Sherlock Holmes does. And then he comes back out of it and consciously. So I, I wanted to play into that cause he had just came up with it on a whim and I was like, Oh, I like it. So they're walking down a path and I'm like, Hey, you, superseded over this path you're looking you see that there's a road there through the bushes but you see through the bushes because your mind space tells you wait a minute this is a place that's been described to me in detail and he's like wait a minute guys there's something here and i'm like now you're on the road and it looks exactly like what it describes and he gets to the village and they see a rundown village that's inside a cave mouth think of um like south america the big caves the incas that were building little villages inside those caves and Mm -hmm. it was sacred places so i wanted that kind of feeling of it and I'm like, but you see the village as it was living. And he sees ghostly people walking by as if the description in his head is Sherlock's homing, homesing the whole thing out. And the others just see the rundown thing that's been you know, abandoned for 100 years or whatever. So it was really cool to play into that, that character thing. And then I thought, well, why don't we just throw in ghosts, right? Why not? <laughs> we're, we're here. <laughs> and so I threw in uh, five specters, not necessarily all at once, but there was a couple in a couple of buildings that they had to fight and a couple of more further on into the little village and then a ghost. And uh, for, a, for me, when I built the encounter, I thought it was a little bit of a throwaway encounter. I didn't necessarily think my players were going to have too much trouble with it. Because I wanted there that they would find this village and then I could bring in some more storyline about this village. It's a village of darklings that had been attacked and had has been destroyed by some other faction. And this is the introduction to that other faction for them to say, wait a minute, this faction came in and is taking over villages and enslaving these people. And that's the big thing that they're going to find out. What I didn't realize was how much trouble they were going to have by a ghost who could possess players. Mm. and specters who have because both of them have resistances to just about everything um even magic items there's a couple in the party but not very many at this point because they're still low level they're only fourth level and i possessed the the great sword wielding fighter and just started hammering into one of their their cleric and then they finally got him out of that they they beat down their their fighter so he goes unconscious the ghost pops up out of that then on a recharge of six, one D six, you have to roll a six. You get that ability back. So I miss it. I miss it. It goes in and it's fighting. It's doing its normal stuff. I get it back again. And then I possess the cleric. <laughs> and so now they're having to beat down their cleric and it goes back and forth. And at the end of it, to me, I'm watching, you know, how the, the hit points are going down. I know where everything is at. So to me, I never felt like they were in too much danger. They were breathing heavy at the end of the adventure. They <laughs> thought TPK was on the table. They were sweating it out. They were like going, oh, my God, the stress. You know, the whole time they're like, the music, the music stresses me out. We got to get this done. They were like full on. They thought they weren't coming out of it at all. And mm-hmm. so it was really cool that something that I didn't think was going to be a big deal 
turned into a major deal for them and they had a lot of fun. I think they'll remember it, you know, of all time, the, the ghost that they fought and was possessing their, yeah. their friends. It was really funny. Um, so that was really good. It, it the one hour prep sesh uh, campaign mm-hmm. just keeps surprising me and surprising me how well it's working so far. I'm sure there's probably a version of this where you try it and it doesn't work and it doesn't come together. But this one so far has been, you know, it's just like, I don't have to prep at all, except I sit down an hour before we're about to go. And I say, here's what I think they're about to do or what I could do to, and just see where it goes, see where it takes them. And it's been really fun. Sweet. So I love that one. Um, and then we have talked about the one shot that I'm already planning. So that has been my week in Dungeons and Dragons. That was quite a bit. That is, that was a good week. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I feel bad because you know you were you were at a hospital with family members. Oh, and, yeah. No, it's all good. Actually, it's funny. Um, I've got a D twenty um, keychain on the back of my backpack, and I was reading my book with my backpack next to me. And one of the nurses came in, and she's like, "Is that a D 20 And so we were talking about D and D, and I was telling her about my channel, my YouTube channel, and stuff. She's like, "That sounds really cool." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Just it's and you know, and here you have this like." 30 something nurse that is interested in Dungeons and Dragons and surprised me, I guess. And so it's kind of, you find them all over, like there's fans everywhere. So, yeah. And it's funny too, that I'm, I'm looking out for it now, like, because the minute I see somebody who's courage enough or excited enough or into it enough to talk to a stranger and say, Hey, is that a D and D reference in the way of saying, Hey, I like D and D too. You kind of get, you know, the tone, right? The, the idea, Oh, I immediately were like, Hey, we should play a game. You should mm-hmm. come run. A, you know, we should, you should play online. It'd be greater. You know? Cause I'm like just trying to expand, expand that player pool and making sure that anybody that has that interest, if they run by me and say, Oh, I wish I could play, but I can never find anybody to play with. I'm, it's my mission to make that not happen. I want yeah. everybody to be able to play. Well, as far as me, um, I'm yeah. trying to think, I think it was, it was two weeks ago that I played my home game with my friends um, at the table. And I don't think I talked about that, right? Because that's what I would have talked about last week and I wasn't here. So I was trying to remember what happened and they went into, um, they were at, I think where we left off is they were in front of a, a Yuanti temple and there was some Yuanti guards and they were basically trying to get into this temple to see what's going on. Um, the, uh, Yuanti guards were not having it and were saying like, they're going to interrupt the ritual and don't let them. And so they attacked, but it was only two Yuanti. And so they kind of took them out pretty easily. And then they started asking the NPC questions. They're just like, why are these Yuanti attacking me? And in my world, I guess in the, 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 yeah, the forgotten realms esque world that I'm playing in. Um, I, I decided that the Yuanti were kind of like, like, lepers almost like the they're they're in the city but people stay away from them because they don't want to catch snakeness like they don't want to become turned into a snake but the yuanti feel that they are uh or entitled i guess to the world because they think they're better than the regular people because they have this snakeification going on and so in the yuanti culture the more snake-like you are the more um the higher up you are in the hierarchy and so in town, there's Yuanti that have like maybe some scales on their shoulders and snake eyes. Um, but outside of town, like in this, in this temple that they found, um, there are Yuanti that have like got full snake heads or full snake bodies. So the 
again, this is just like information dump, I guess, like lore dump, but the Yuan Ti, uh, there is a, there is a dig site in, in the world that I want my players to go to at some point. And what it is, is there's an inverted pyramid in under the ground, like in the sand. I love and inverted pyramids. How it got there, like they don't know, but it's this inverted pyramid, and they they're they're digging it up. Well, the Yuanti feel that it is their inverted pyramid, like that should be theirs because the the pharaoh or the king that ruled it um, has a tie to the Yuanti, and some of the Yuanti came from experiments that that like mad wizard was doing, so they feel like it's their property. So they've been attacking this dig site. And the NPC that is with my players was sent to the temple to try and like negotiate a peace between them. And if that negotiation doesn't happen, he was there to uh, basically try and put an end to these attacks from the Yuanti. So my players say, you know, we want to we want to talk with the head honcho. We'll see what's going on. So they go inside, and inside is a young adult blue dragon that the Yuanti have captured, and have. Um, conditioned in such a way they've like you know poisoned it and uh pain and like beat it and stuff and they've kind of conditioned it so that it hates everything um and the yuanti get in a fight with my players and they release the dragon and so i was rolling randomly to see who the dragon was going to attack whether it was my players or the yuanti and he attacked the yuanti a couple times he attacked my players a couple times until the cleric cast um the command word on it or the command spell saying, help us basically um, attack the Yuanti. So this dragon now compelled to help like ran around and, and helped them. So I wasn't expecting that. And they kind of mopped up this entire fight really easy because they had a, you know, a young adult blue dragon on their side. We go into the main room where this like huge fight's supposed to happen against an Yuanti Anathema, I think is what it's called. It's this like oh, yeah, six-headed yeah. snake. Uh, yeah, it's got like a snake body with like six snake heads and two really creepy hands for slashing and stuff. Um, it's a really cool monster in Volo's Guide to Monsters, and I was really excited to use it. So they try to have a negotiation, but the negotiation goes south. And um, I was like, man, I got to get rid of this dragon, though. Like, how can I get rid of this dragon so that it's not like a pushover fight. Like I wanted this to be a difficult fight. So in the moment I was thinking, Oh, they've like conditioned this dragon. What if I, what if she has like a command word that then reverts the dragon into mind control? So I had her utter a spell and you just saw everybody at the table face palm because they brought this (laughs) dragon in with them when they could have let it go. And they were like, well, that was really dumb. So now they have to fight this. You want anathema, um, some like minions and a young adult blue dragon fly or not flying around because they were indoors, but like doing all kinds of lightning breath and stuff. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, they, I, I, uh, sorry, I'm trying to rethink what happened. The cleric said, well, is my command spell still working? And so basically I said, your command spell and the conditioning from the Yuanti are in conflict so we rolled to see who he would attack again at the beginning of each round and he was actually attacking my players so it was really dire 
Um, <laughs> and not to like bore you guys with like a long fight because it was a really long fight, but you were talking about how your players were breathing heavy at the end of that last session. And this was the first time in quite a while that I felt like I challenged my players. Like all of a sudden they were just like, we didn't know if we were going to survive that. And they, they almost didn't. And some of them, I think the, the paladin went down twice um, and they had to like heal him to get him back up. And then he would just, or she would just go back down again. Um, it was, it was a really fun, epic fight. Um, but they won and they're now sitting in the middle of this temple and they have like probably another 60% of it to explore, but that was the major fight. So the rest of it won't be as difficult, but I'm, I've been really picky about giving them long rests and short rests. And if, if they want to take a short rest, then that's fine, but there are consequences like people might walk in on them. You might not get oh, your yeah. full short rest. And so they've been really careful about like, well, should we take one? Should we not take one? Um, and that's made the game a little bit more fun because I think it's it's really easy to have a big fight and then say, okay, you guys can just rest. But I've been a stickler saying like, well, that big fight, yes, you, you're hurt, but it's only like 10 in the morning. Like you guys can't just take a long rest. If you want to take a short rest, you can, and there's consequences for that. So in the middle of the temple, in yeah, the middle yeah. of the temple with like other enemies around. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Um, they the need first like... question that would come to my mind would be from your players. Did they ask you, can we chop up the blue dragons parts and can we sell them or use them in spells? Oh, that was the first <laughs> thing my characters asked me once they defeated a young dragon, they were like, can we use the teeth and can we use all this other stuff? Yeah. I was like, we all know you're supposed to get a lot of money for dragon scales and dragon this and dra- when dragon When they fought that. a giant purple worm, um, I had them roll like a nature check to see if they would get some information about like, you know, this is actually worth some money. Like if they could milk the venom of a purple worm, like the, it's worth, or not the venom, but the acid, I guess, like it's worth some money, but they all rolled really low. Um, so they didn't, they didn't clue into that, but I was kind of hoping that some of them would be like, well, can we like scavenge this thing for parts? Like how strong are these scales? Could I make a shield from its scales? Cause crafting's fun and it's kind of yeah. fun to have this extra stuff, but especially the acid, I was like, that would have been really useful for you guys getting through locks. Like, you know, acid's just useful in general. So it That's was, it was really cool. fun. I liked that. I was able to challenge my players again. So Yeah. They, uh, and ultimately the dragon, they didn't defeat it. They, um, her command word spell like overtook it and she commanded it to run away. Um, because they were like, we can't control it anymore. So the minute she had control, she told it to just like run away. And it did, it was like, I'm out of here. Cause it, it wanted to escape from the get go. Um, but it was conditioned to, to fight and stay because of the Yuanti. It's really fun. It was, uh, an awesome, awesome game. Um, and then that was it. And then I had to run to California to do a bunch of stuff, but, um, I did want to talk before we end. Um, did you, do you watch acquisitions incorporated? Did you watch the PAX East game? I'm still watching some episodes before that, before I get to the PAX East game. So no, I've not watched that one yet. So I started playing Dungeons and Dragons because of Acquisitions Incorporated. Like I listened to the podcast and Chris Perkins DMing and I was just like, this looks really fun. Like I want to do this. I want to try this. So good job, Wizards of the Coast. Your marketing totally worked. And now I run a D&D Saturday morning show. Um, so we've all come full circle. I'm, I'm, I'm helping Wizards of the Coast out now. <laughs> but uh, it was really awesome. Uh, Mike Krahulik, who's Gabe from Penny Arcade, he ran the game. And... 
He had a really great article on Wednesday on Penny Arcade. So if you go to Penny Arcade and go back a day or go back a, a thing, because they release Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, on Wednesday, he had a really great article about what he loved, what he loves about D&D. And he loves that the rules are so, um, I think he described them as like taffy or elastic. Like they're so malleable that uh, you can take other things like concepts from video games and put them into Dungeons and Dragons and it works. Um, so for this game, in, instead of Players Unknown Battlegrounds, PUBG, which is a popular video game at, right now, he did Wizards Unknown Battlegrounds. And he created these deck of cards that um, the players land on this island, just like in PUBG, and then the the circle of influence around the island gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's basically causing them to fight the other players that are on this island and he had this whole system for every time you wanted to move, every time you wanted to search, every time you wanted to do something, you would draw randomly from this deck that would um, have all these random things that could happen. Um, and, he, and they were really creative because some of them were attack this thing or fight this thing. But some of them were, here's a blessing of unicorns that just showed up. Uh, you have to use animal <laughs> handling checks to get past these unicorns. And so he had to, they had to utilize different skills to to bypass certain challenges. Uh, and it was, it's always funny. Like I love the, uh, I love the acquisitions incorporated games and, um, Holly Conrad was in this one and she is just becoming my new favorite person more and more. Uh, she's just fun to watch and Strix is a great character. Um, and I loved it. Like it was awesome. Uh, although I did fall asleep last night because I think after driving nine hours and then trying to watch that, and then I just conked out. Uh, yeah. I, so I'm going to, I'm going to catch the ending, the true ending. Cause I woke up when they were like at the very end of it, but I was like, Oh crap, I, I missed it. I've got to go to bed. But yeah, yeah. in season one of their C team that yeah. they did, cause I, I'm really digging C team a lot. That, it's good. That crew that watching him J- watch Jerry. He's my kind of DM. Yeah. He's like, he's the guy I want to play in a game with for sure. Yeah. Um, but there was one night that, uh, he brought in, um, Jim dark magic yeah to run a game and so they run a mini adventure for c team and he builds a mario kart race board yeah (laughs) builds rules forces them to go through this whole thing and super creative way to play a one-off D &D session Mm -hmm. um that was really funny and really interesting and they were they were using these weird abilities that they were trying to, you know, race around and be the winner. And it was just really cool to see. I like that the idea that he's pushing forward. And like you said, re- kind of goes, bring his full circle back to the article. The idea that there is D and D and you have standard D and D and you have the standard games that you hear about or see, but it's still a strong enough platform that you can do some really crazy stuff with it. The, yeah. the framework of the rules allow you to turn it into so many different things. Like you can do a PUBG game. You can do an anime show. You can do uh, ship battles and we racing games. We were talking about your, your Groundhog's Day idea that you Groundhog's want to do. Day, like, yeah. like it's this beautiful framework that allows you to kind of, which I've told people before that I was like, when I finally became a DM, I, it's such a creative process. Like if you are, if you're in a funk where you're just like, I don't feel creative and I don't feel like, uh, I don't know, whenever I don't feel creative, I don't feel smart. Um, but Dungeons and Dragons makes me like, that was a really cool idea or this was really fun. So I was going to ask you, is there any like video game things that you have ever, or, or other things like that, that you've taken and put it into some of your games before? 
I have um, some ideas that I want to do. Yeah. I've not done them yet. Like yeah. I've been thinking about them. The only thing that kind of comes And I don't really close... have a good answer for this either. I was thinking, I was racking my brain this morning yeah. and last night. I'm like, I want to talk about this, but have I ever done that? And now I want to do it more. Like I want to take like video game concepts, I guess, or, or just something that I've been reading lately and try to incorporate it into. Yeah. My the the one thing I can think of is I ran a game based on, it's going to seem stupid to say, but there's <laughs> an anime I watch, which has the funniest name to me, which was, um, is it bad to meet girls in the dungeon? <laughs> and it's based on a very Dungeons and Dragons like world where this whole town has all these adventurers mm -hmm. and every morning the, the temple doors open to this great big giant super dungeon and they go in and they come back out and they bring whatever stuff they get out. And it's just the storyline that's based on that and it's in the character. And, but in it, they had this thing that just caught my eye that I thought was the coolest thing I had seen when it talked about how do they deal with the character. Because they talk in a very meta sense of you're a level four fighter. Yeah. You're a level three wizard. And these are the abilities you get. And the way they described that was is the, um, the guilds are run by gods who have descended to earth. And you join one of them. And then when you go in, you get experience and you come back out, you go to your God and your God finds out what kind of new abilities you've got or what level you are by casting a spell. And then on your back is a tattoo of your character sheet and the spell changes it whenever you get XP. So like this character that you meet up with, he, he gets to level two or whatever, and he gets his new ability, which is he can he can throw a firebolt. Mm -hmm. You know, that's his new ability or he gets some other new ability. And I thought that concept was super cool. So I have ran a game that I called Hestia because Hestia is one of the gods in the thing. Mm -hmm. And I ran my players and I said, we're going to play D&D once you show up on Tuesday night or whatever night it was. And they're like, oh, OK, so what, what, what's the what levels are we playing? What characters, what races can we do? I said, don't do any of that. Just show up. No character creation. You're going to show up. I started the game. They had no character sheets blank. All I said is, what's your name? We went mm -hmm. through. And what I did is, is they, we went through a role play session of them not being characters at all, just regular old young farmers and hooligans and whatever. And then they decide they want to be adventurers. They are told that the only way they can become adventurers and get a writ to go and do this is if they sign on one of the guilds. Mm -hmm. They go find this goddess who will accept them into their guild, and she performs the spell. And I create this ritual of um, kind of like wordplay games where it was like, okay, this thing's happening. You have this memory happening. What's the first thing that pops into your mind? And I say, and I just start shouting words out like dagger, bow, spell, something, something, something. They have to answer really quickly. Uh -huh. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I write that down and I'm like, okay, what's this next thing? What's this next thing? And it forms the character that they get randomly that they're going to play off of this weird word association thing I came. And then I described it as this tattoo being displayed on their back as into this is the character that you are. Yeah. You know? And so that was taking it from something that had really grabbed my attention and said, I want to put this into a Dungeons and Dragons 5e game, but how do I do that? How do I put in this weird, you don't get your abilities or skills until this happens. I don't want you to spend two days building your character and coming up with your own backstory. Mm -hmm. I want it to happen to you in the game, in a role play session. So that's about as close as I've gotten. 
Yeah, I, I, my wife really loves Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario World. She just likes Mario a whole bunch in those old uh, Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. Um, so when we first started playing, I thought it would be really fun to make some magic items based on that. So I made a mushroom that if you ate, you got the enlarge spell put on you. And I made a, a flower that cast burning hands. And I made um, a, fr- a fragment of a star that would make you invulnerable for um, a minute, you know. And it was funny how excited I was about that. And then when I actually put them in the games, nobody clued in that it was Super Mario Brothers. And I'm like, are you guys (laughs) kidding me? It's a mushroom that makes you bigger, like focus. But she has a bunch of, uh, sometimes I'll say like, oh, you guys are fighting this. And she's like, oh, is it like this thing from Yoshi's Island 2 where I have to like throw the eggs or whatever? And so I've been racking my brain ever since I watched Acquisitions Incorporated last night. I'm, and then this morning I was thinking about it. I'm like, I really need to figure out a way for her like boss battle knowledge of Yoshi's Island 2 to be relevant to a D&D game so that she could That'd feel like funny. special and have like, oh my gosh, guys, I know how to take care of this boss. Like I know is one weakness. So I think that's yeah. what I'm going to try and do is incorporate some of those fights and see if I can make them work. Um, in uh in my game like maybe maybe um i think there's a monster in yoshi's island too or or a boss where the more you attack it the bigger it gets so maybe i'll do like they're attacking like a slime or something and the slime just kind of gets bigger and bigger and fills up the room and they have to figure out like well what do we do now like it's easy to hit it's got an ac of three but his hit points are doubling every single time we like seem to like do damage to it so yeah yeah that and and now you just reminded me i did that in a numenera campaign i ran oh really um i wanted to do the mmo boss fight right Mm -hmm. so i created a character creature didn't really it looked like a displacer beast but a little bit cooler bigger one that they were fighting and in my brain i set up this at three quarters health it changes modes yeah and then at half health it changes modes and then at one quarter health it goes into like super beast mode and so it was changing what it was doing and i was doing all of the thing the tells that would let the players know something's about to happen Mm -hmm. so like it was setting up this whole thing where they knew when to hide behind columns because a big aoe blast was going to happen or a big stomp or something would change and they knew it was about to leap so they could the next turn it was going to do a leap and it was always doing something bigger badder and telegraphing it enough Mm -hmm. that if they were paying attention they could do something all based off of me thinking about mmo boss battles and saying how do you put that into a game I did do it in my Numenera game, and they had a lot of fun with it because the boss goes from, okay, it's it's going pretty good. Oh, crap, now he's way tougher. Oh, my God, he's super tough. How were you ever going to get yeah. this? So it was a fun battle, but those did take a lot longer, just in case you're thinking yeah. about doing that. You know, <laughs> that battle took an hour. It's fun. It reminds like uh, a couple of April Fool's days ago, like two years ago, I did, um, or just a year ago, um, I did an April Fool's video where I was dressed up like Matt Colville and I was giving advice in a Matt Colville way. And I was talking about parody in your games. And that's kind of what I'm talking about now, where if your players have that that knowledge of a certain video game or a certain MMO or something like that, you can, like PUBG, like they all know PUBG, they all play PUBG. If you can incorporate that into a, a, a game so they can use their meta knowledge and play in this game they're kind of familiar with, it's that's really fun for a player and can be really creative for a dungeon master. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really good. That's yeah. Funny. It's fun. I, I highly recommend you guys watch that. You don't have to have previous acquisitions incorporated knowledge, but to just watch the mechanics of 
the game and I'll put links in the doobly-doo for the, for the YouTube version, but it's super fun. Um, yeah, it's like 1050. I don't know. Do you want to, do you got anything else you want to talk about? Or well, the we only thing, um, I've got going on tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be going and sitting at a table and rolling authentic dice. Cause I got invited to yeah. play in a game with, um, apparently they're in the middle of a dragon who owns a casino <laughs> and they're going to try to Ocean's Eleven it. And so I heard, I was like, yes. okay, here we I go. Love, <laughs> I love everything about this. That's amazing. And they're like, we need a good thief. So I, they were like, what level do I get to be? So I made up a, uh, what I'm calling a shadow thief. Okay. And it's a level one thief, level three shadow sorcerer. Okay. So it has some cool mechanics. All the spells are around breaking in, uh, dealing with guards, Sneaking in, sneaking okay. out, all that stuff. No damage spells at all. It's all about darkness and invisibility and spider climb and sweet um, sleep. You yeah. know, sleep guards and it's like all this stuff about being the great heist kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, so I think this is going to turn out to be really fun to play. Um, so that's going to be cool. I'm going to get to play that, and I'm sure next next week Saturday when we talk about it, I'll have a bunch to tell you about that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the la- just the last thing, I'm going to be setting up that uh, game with Cyberwolf, yeah. setting up some players. Um, I think I'm going to do a very interesting game mode like we just talked about. Another anime I've been watching is called Black Clover. And this one is a really cool. It's set up on the four suits. So each of the kingdoms is the Clover Kingdom, the Heart Kingdom, okay. the Diamond Kingdom, and the and the Clovers and the Diamonds are right next to each other, and they, they have like a little barrier where they're always fighting with each other. But what it is is everybody's magical, everybody's a mage of some sort. But when you come of age, you go and you, you go to the ceremony, and you go into this great big library, and this big thing happens, and one of the great tomes, one of the grimoires will come and seek you out and it becomes yours. Like it just attaches to you Mm -hmm. and that's your type of magic now. So like maybe you have chain magic or you have uh, light magic or you have water magic that's based on, um, you know, something. There's like all these cool things. I think I want to run a game that's based on that. These characters, they go into their initiation. This book comes to them and now their magic is formed by this cool magic, you know, like whatever it happens to be. And um, I think it's going to be really fun. So I think it'll be a good adventure and I'll stream all that. I'll put it on and I'll probably, I will probably also stream or at least put up a YouTube video of the creation of how I'm going to do it. So like from the moment of setting up roll 20, what maps I'm going to put in, how I'm going to build the maps, how I'm going to build that stuff, what I come up with, um, I'll probably build all that so people can watch, you know, my method of putting together a strange yeah. one-shot campaign of some sort. So, no, that sounds uh, awesome. I so I love watching how DMs kind of create stuff. It's fun. Yeah. So, yeah. so all right. I think that's that's for me. Yeah, um, it's been an awesome show. Thanks, guys, for watching. Um, and thanks so much for all of the the thoughts and prayers and stuff. I think everything's going to be good. We just gotta we just gotta wait until people get better. So, but they will. Um, it's going to be awesome. And you guys are just super fun. I'm looking over at chat and it's just really great, awesome people. So, <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for coming out and watching. Um, and we will be back next Saturday with another episode of the Saturday morning D and D show. Lucian's got loads of other content. So try and check those out. Um, and I will have a new video this Wednesday that I'm going to start working on immediately after we finish this because I have a video to make. But I'll have a new video on Wednesday. And yeah, with that, we will see you next Saturday. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.